welcome to season three of the Cleverly Changing Podcast. Our podcast is all about learning how to educate your kids. I'm one of the hosts, Al Cole, and this is episode 43. In season three, we are talking to experts in their field, and our guest today is Lacey Grimm, founder of the Schoolhouse Life Podcast. Lacey and her husband are homesteaders who teach others about self-sufficiency. Today, we spoke to Lacey about her homeschool journey. So without further ado, let me tell you a little bit about who I am and why you should listen to this program. I am an entrepreneur, mom to twin girls, and this podcast is not only for parents who homeschool their children, but it is for all parents who want to supplement their child's education. Our goal is to provide you with encouragement, insight about African history, and support as a parent and home educator. New episodes are uploaded bi-weekly, so please remember to subscribe and share. If you want to keep this podcast going, consider supporting it regularly through our Patreon page, At a low monthly cost, visit patreon.com slash cleverlychanging. Today's African proverb is, when you follow in the path of your father, you learn to walk like him. And that's an Ashanti proverb. It's now time for the word of the episode. Yumbani. Yumbani means home in Swahili. To the Cleverly Changing Podcast. This podcast is all about educating your kids. So I'm one of your hosts, Elle, and this is episode 43. I hope that you guys are doing well, but today I wanted to have a special guest to talk to you about her homeschooling journey. So come along, listen in, and let's get to know Lacey. Lacey, can you introduce yourself for us? Hi, yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I am a mom of four. I have a 16-year-old and an 11 and a nine and then also a four-year-old. So um, we stay busy, we homeschool, we um, kind of do life together. And um, that's sort of my story in short. Yeah, so what I love about the ages of your kids is that it goes from preschool all the way through high school. And one of the questions that I often get is how do you homeschool multiple children who are in a variety of different grades? So can you kind of, um, you know, before you kind of jump into that question, can you kind of tell us what made you decide to homeschool? Oh, sure. Yeah. So um, that, I, I think it was exposure to homeschoolers. You know, I think when I first had, you know, my, my 16 year old, she was, you know, three or four. And there was one school in particular that I thought maybe we would try to get her into. It was a Spanish immersion class that she would, you know, learn Spanish as she was going. And I thought, oh, what a neat experience. Um, 
But ultimately my experience with her individually was that she needed a different kind of attention. And um, I knew I had a lot of friends that homeschooled. And so having access to those moms and asking for their wisdom was really a huge, probably um, part of why we made the ultimate decision to homeschool. Um, and then also just culturally, we are, um, we're Jewish. And so it, it was important to me to be able to um, put a lot of uh, weight into the, the Hebrew holidays and that kind of thing, as opposed to sending her to public school where, um, you know, she'd be fitting into the culture of um, society, which nothing wrong with that, but it's just, you know, we don't, we didn't do a lot of the holidays that they celebrate in school. And so there was just a, a, an element of where we felt like we had more control over um, her experience as a child and um, our experience as a family. So I think that was the biggest influence, wanting to be able to, um, to do things together a lot and, um, and so, yeah, I think that's what, what ultimately helped us make our decision. I'm so thankful that we did because um, she specifically, my oldest does have some learning um, differences and it's been, um, it would have been an, a difficult thing to go through in, in a public school environment. Um, but we've been able to adapt and, um, and make life really easy for her and, um, and kind of encourage her in the ways that she needed most. So, yeah. yeah. That's great. I, I think, you know, sometimes as homeschoolers, we often, we want our kids to develop our values. I think that's kind of very integral, integral in homeschooling. It's like, you know, we have this culture as a family that's ne not necessarily the same as the culture in society. And you don't want your kid to kind of pass up those experiences and overlook them, you want them to be able to nourish that sort of experience. And yeah. homeschool is a great environment to do that. So I'm, I'm glad that, you know, you recognize that early on, because sometimes it's like, once your kid is already in school, sometimes you identify, wait a minute, you mm -hmm. know, I want something else. And so you kind of got a head start with her being so young. Yeah, we were, we were really fortunate. And my mom had actually homeschooled my brother a little bit because he has some, um, some differences and things. And so, you know, I was exposed to that as an option very, very early. And I think that that made all the difference. Did you yourself um, ever do any type of self-directed learning or homeschooling on your own? So no, not really. When I was in um, the public school, I went to school when I was in New York and um, they had lots of extracurricular activities and, and like extra programs, depending on um, sort of what school environment, what you needed as a child. So it was a little bit more catered to individual students. And then when we moved um, to North Carolina, it, that was not my experience in high school at all. I really had to whittle it down to one extracurricular activity. And um, I sort of felt like I didn't have an opportunity in high school to, to, um, to do the things that I was most interested in. Um, mm -hmm. And I did in my, my um, experience in New York. So I knew it was possible, but I knew North Carolina maybe wasn't doing such a great job with that. And um, one of the experiences that really, I think, fundamentally changed me in New York was we had a program that was, um, I don't know if you want to call it advanced students or students who, who they were doing fine in all the, the testing and everything. So they kind of had an outside day every week where they just did project-based learning. And that for me was really, um, really um, impactful. And I, I think I just realized what learning could look like. And um, it, it showed me that I could kind of lead my own interests and follow my own interests. And that, 
um, that was a really good way to learn. And so um, I think I just had that sort of set in my mind. Um, and so when it became time to, to teach Naomi, I was like, you know, learning can be really fun. We don't have to do workbooks. We don't have to um, necessarily stick to the curriculum. We can go off course. And so we did a lot of um, unit-based sort of learning and that kind of thing. And, um, and that sort of, I think that was a fundamental reason why I was drawn to that was that experience as a child. Wow, I think it sounds great that you had that experience. I actually grew up in North Carolina. So <laughs> I, I went to the schools in North Carolina up until high school. In high school, I actually went to school in Pennsylvania. So I think we kind of had like the opposite. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I know I've, we've talked about your school experience. So I know that you had a really neat experience and um, I'm envious of you on that in some ways. But it sounds like like to have a day off and do fun things and project-based learning, that's really how real life is and kind of how jobs are. You know, it's really based on projects. So I think that's a valuable experience and something that you can give your kids. So I wanna kind of backtrack because I asked that question about the multiple um, age groups and multiple grades. And I know that's probably the second most common question I get because people are like, I have, I have multiple kids. This is, this is difficult. But I remember growing up, um, the first early schools were multi-grade schools. So the concept itself is not completely different, but public school, as we know it now, it is generally just that one grade. So how do you kind of, um, take your, your classes and teach your children in a way that all of them feel like they're getting a valuable experience. You know, it's interesting because I think um, once you're sort of open and you see the family unit working together, you see that, you know, it doesn't, we don't all have to divide out into our separate things all day long. While we do that kind of naturally, you know, one kid might be wanting to, um, to look at one thing. And I definitely have a curriculum that we use sort of as just a guide. Um, and they each have their own individual work in my high school, or I pay more attention to make sure she's, you know, writing a few essays and learning all of those other little fundamental skills. But, um, you know, we sit around the same table and I'm there to just be, you know, when they need me, I'm there. If they need me to read to them, I can read to them. Um, and including everyone in a project at the same time can be really um, useful. Um, and then also just really giving the kids an opportunity to decide what they're going to do. Um, even my four-year-old, as long as he feels like he has a project to work on, he'll stay out of our hair, you know, with in the other one's hair so they can get their work done. Um, but the second he feels like he doesn't have a project, then he's like, I need a project. I need a project. I need a project. So for me, it's really about just facilitating and helping him find, okay, what are you wanting to do? Do you want to build? Do you want to draw? Do you want to paint? You know, and that, um, that helps a lot just to sort of have a few things to choose from. And then if they get to choose from those things, they feel like they're in control. Even if you have, you put all the choices on the table, they feel like they are the ones, you know, sort of choosing their own adventure. So that is a really helpful, um, I don't know how I learned that if somebody else told me, but it is really kind of like that. So they each have their own cabinets at home and they know, okay, this is my cabinet. When we're doing schoolwork, I choose from my cabinet and I sit at the table or I find a spot that's cozy and I, and I do my thing. So, yeah. That's awesome. I love that, you know, when kids know what is in their grasp and what they can do, they tend to make great choices on their own. You know, sometimes we can think of kids being, um, kind of empty, but they're not. Yeah. They're not. 
not empty at all. They have their own choices and they can make really great decisions on their own. You just have to give them that opportunity to do so in a safe environment. So that's, that's great. Um, I see kids struggling in school and I, you know, my, my uh, nieces and nephews and they, some of them thrive in that environment. Some of them are happy to do exactly what the teacher says. And then others are not. And they are like, wait, why are we doing this? And if you just give them a choice of two things, then all of a sudden it alleviates the tension of the frustration of the child being feeling like they're out of control. They do want to have some sense of control. Um, and when they're grown up that way, then they, they develop a skill that a lot of adults these days don't have, which is that self-direction, right? That ability yes. to make a choice, set a goal and follow through with it. And, um, so I think that's an important thing that as homeschoolers, we really have a big opportunity to, to give to our children. Yes. What have you kind of noticed in your homeschool that, um, really has encouraged you to keep going? Because I know that sometimes you see those light bulb moments or aha moments and you're like, wow, we really made the right decision. Hmm. Yeah. Well, my oldest, like I said, has had some, she's had some struggles along the way. Um, she is an amazing, amazing um, 16 year old girl. She can play the violin beautifully. She's a, ba a beautiful ballerina. Um, she's a very talented photographer. The arts are a really in, um, intrinsic part of who she is. And we've been able to really give her free break reign of that. She is allowed and able and has all the time in the world to explore those interests. Um, she's not as good at math. She really struggles with math. And um, she likes to do it, but she actually just, it, she has um, a, a learning disorder where she can't actually, like she just, it's a very challenging thing, almost like dyslexia for her to do. And so to give her hours and hours of math work in a, in a schooling environment, um, I really think she would have been pegged in a certain way because of this, um, of this issue when really she excels in a lot of other ways and math has not been a sticking point. You know, we know what her issues are. She knows what her issues are there. Um, but it doesn't, it's not as big of an issue because we don't have to focus on it. You know, we don't have to spend so much time doing the homework and finishing the worksheets and taking the tests. Um, and the truth of the matter is she, if she doesn't want to have a career in that, she doesn't need to explore that anymore, right? Like she can have a calculator and, um, and find ways to get around it if math is a piece of what she wants to do for a living. So just being able to really focus on strengths instead of trying to make sure they're a little bit good at everything um, has been really liberating. And, and not just for them, my kids, but for me to watch that and remember that I should do that for myself too, you know, like, really focus on the things I'm good at and follow the things that I love to do instead of um, just doing all the things because they're there to do, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, I think of that idiom that says um, a jack of all trades, but a master of none. And we don't necessarily want our kids. I mean, sure, it would be great to be a little bit good, but we, we do see people in society who um, latch on to what they love and then thrive. It's so much better, I think, to thrive. Kind of what is your, your philosophy around um, kind of embracing that mindset? Because I think it, it is a different mindset to allow kids to focus on what they're good at because society based on grades in school have said that, no, you, um, you're gonna be judged by each of these subjects. 
and you need to be good at them in order to be kind of, they kind of set a value and a worth to a child based on their grade. And it seems like you've kind of separated that. So what is kind of your philosophy around that and where did it come from? Yeah, so there's a quote by Albert Einstein that says, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it's stupid. So I'm gonna cry because that is an emotional quote for me every time I read that. And I think about all the kids that maybe are struggling with math or struggling with reading or struggling with whatever the one thing is and it's the focus of their entire school career because they're not good at it instead of looking for the thing that um, that is their gift. And I don't believe a single human being exists that doesn't have a beautiful gift to offer to the world. Um, but how defeated do we come out of a system when we aren't finding it there, right? So, um, I mean, really it's just about finding the gift that the creator has given each individual. And um, I mean, as a mom, that's my goal, regardless of if we homeschool, um, but I feel like homeschool frees me up so that I don't have to also check the boxes of public school. <laughs> so um, I think ultimately, you know, when we talk about curriculum and we talk about school in general, I'm less, less worried about checking the boxes. I'm not worried about them going to college because I don't think you have to have a college degree to be successful, to make a living. Um, I have a degree that is nothing to do with my living, you know, like it's, and how many people say the same thing or how many people are stuck doing a job um, because they paid all that money for this degree and it's not really what they love to do. So um, I think that just having been able to take a step back from that system of education and see it sort of for what it is, um, it's, it's just been liberating and, and given us a real opportunity to say, okay, but what is education? And, and what is, you know, what is important? Are these tests important? Are these, um, are these, you know, extracurriculars important? You know, what is the most important thing? And fundamentally, my job is to teach my children how, how, how fun life is and how much learning there is for all of us. And that never ends. And, um, and that's a joy. I mean, like, that's the, that's the point. <laughs> so I really, really, really don't want them to resent their education or resent learning in any way. I want that to be the fun part of life. So um, I guess, does that answer the question? I feel like I could go on and on about that, but yeah. Yeah. I want them it to. Have, yeah. <laughs> I think what, you know, the quote that you shared, I think so many families can relate to it because I mean, we definitely see it when we think about when we were in school, there yeah. was, there were kids in our classroom who weren't necessarily getting it. And it wasn't that they were not smart. It just, that wasn't their area of focus. Yeah. Earlier, you mentioned about your daughter and some of her academic struggles. Mm. How did you identify that she was actually having a struggle? It was real obvious for, um, she, you know, we would do math problems and she would do really well with it for like, say you're doing long division. She'd do like five or six problems totally fine and then she would get to the seventh problem and she would not be able to remember how to do it not even a little bit and every time we would sit down to do these problems it would be like we were doing it again for the very first time she wouldn't remember anything about how the steps of doing long division or multiplication or whatever it is um, she's gotten to a point where she has a working understanding of math and can and memorize the times tables and um and can do things that you know um 
to get her work done if she needs to. Um, but it's just always been a struggle. There's also, um, it's um, when you ask her a direct question uh, regarding math, she just, she just goes blank. Like her mind just can't on the fly say, you know, it's two times seven. She would just stare at you and be like, mm, I don't know, you know, and it just would be, a, um, you could tell by the look on her face that it was not, um, that she didn't understand what you were asking her. It was just that her brain got all twisted around in the moment. Um, so it's, it, it became very evident. And then um, I went, or, uh, we did end of grade testing one year um, and we used the Woodcock Johnson method, which was wonderful because the woman interacts with the individual. Um, and the person that we actually used was a really well um, trained education specialist. So she was able to sort of help me identify um, because as, as she asked her these questions, she was seeing that response and saying, you know, that's not a good representation of what she actually knows. Um, it's just like how she um, handles the, the immediacy. So, um, so we actually, she suggested that she might have dyscalculia, which is sort of the dyslexia of numbers. Um, and I might be saying that wrong, dyscalculia. Anyway, she, um, it, she seems to meet that bill pretty well. Although um, I'm not eager to diagnose her. I really just wanna make sure that we can find ways to sort of help her um, muddle through and, um, and then focus more on the things that she really doesn't struggle with, right? So, so um, yeah. I thank you for sharing that because I definitely do have um, a listener who has reached out who has um, a child with a similar experience. And it wasn't something that I was familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, and um, there was a blog post that I read from someone and I was like, well, you know, perhaps this is what it could be, but I hadn't necessarily heard um, from other people who had similar experiences. So when I heard you say it, I was like, wow, you know, this sounds so similar. And it's probably more common than we oh, know. But yeah. people don't necessarily, we hear about dyslexia, yes. but we don't hear about, um, I don't, I'm not even sure how to say it, but dyscalculia, <laughs> if that's, yeah. Yeah, so, but thing. you know, it is a real thing. Yeah. She's an avid reader. So a lot of times people are like, oh, well maybe they're dyslexic and they're really not. They read, she reads excellently. Um, so yeah, that was always kind of like, wait, what's going on here? I mean, in this area, she's totally like, above average and then in this other area I can't make it fit together and I thought for a long time I really struggled because I thought it was my fault you know I thought I was teaching her wrong I thought that you know um it just was a lack of me being able to find the right way to communicate with her um and it really is not <laughs> that's not it at all <laughs> right. so I just I want to thank you because I know that um that person will definitely listen to this episode and I know that it was kind of like the encouragement they need. And so I thank you for sharing that. I think, you know, along our journey as parents, we will see things in our children that we can't personally identify with. And sometimes that can be hard, especially for parents who, you know, a lot of academic stuff come, came easy for them. Yeah. It can be hard to help their child who is facing struggles because they only know their own experience. And so I definitely respect the fact that you were able to get her testing, able to um, see outside resources to kind of give you um, extra knowledge about it. Because sometimes we just need to identify in order to pull back. 
Sometimes it's not always about pushing our students mm -hmm. and our children. Sometimes we actually need to pull back and allow them to blossom in the ways that they were made to blossom. So mm -hmm. I just thank you for sharing, sharing that experience with us. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, she's, I am so proud of her. She's blossoming in so many ways that, I mean, it's like, not something that we need to, we feel like we need to worry about. We need to figure out. I think a lot of times we want to pave a road for our children. That's perfectly clear. Um, and it won't be, it won't be perfectly clear. They're going to struggle and that's going to be a part of their story and it's going to turn them into the person that they were designed to be. So, um, sometimes you're exactly right. It's just about stepping out of the way and letting that unfold. And uh, that can be really hard for parents who <laughs> want to make sure everything is perfect for their children. So, yeah. Absolutely. So as we kind of wrap up and wind down, what advice do you have for the parent who is like, oh, wow, you know, I find myself drawn to homeschooling. Mm -hmm. but I don't necessarily know that I'm making the right decisions. What would you tell them to kind of do next? Well, I would say try it for pity's sake. Like you can't know if it's going to work until you try it. And I think a lot of times we think that we're not qualified um, as, as teachers. Uh, but the truth is that your child was born to you. Therefore, you are the perfect person to be both their educator and their parent. And um, I think in today's society, we, we um, define educator as someone with like a special degree. Um, but Anyone you meet, any anytime you learn anything, you are learning from an educator. We're all educators, um, and you know I really do feel like children are matched with the parents that will um, give them what they need to become who they're supposed to be. So, um, so take that leap of faith and just you know give it a shot. You have nothing to lose. A whole year off from school. There's no. I think we have this idea that there are time crunches, right? There's like these these. Um, these times in our lives where, well, if you're not graduated by the time you're 18, then you're doomed. And the truth is not true. I don't know who invented that, but it's not accurate. And I actually wish that I had taken a year off and, and maybe been held back a year, not because I wasn't prepared for the material, but because it wouldn't have been easier, you know, if I was a little bit ahead. Right. So, um, I think leaving time and letting time, um, let your kids have time all the time um, and not not feel like you have to complete everything in this in this specific time frame can be really, really helpful. Um, and if you take a year off from school and your kid goes back to a grade um, that's the same, which won't happen, but if it did, it wouldn't be the end of the world anyway. So I think especially in the time that we're in, um, giving our children space is really, really important. Um, and if you feel compelled to do that, then you should by all means do it. Um, because it could be the thing that really helps them get through everything that's going on. Um, so anyway, yeah. <laughs> yes. So I know people are going to be inspired from what you shared. Can you tell people how they can connect with you? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so we actually uh, have a small homestead and we um, have a group that's just based on just to help self-sufficiency self in general and homeschooling is a piece of that homesteading. 
um, natural wellness. So I would love for you to connect with us there. It's just um, the schoolhouselife.com takes you straight to the group or um, it's just a schoolhouse life with Lacey and Drew Facebook group. So um, join us there. We have lots going on. Um, We just set up like a pen pal sign up sheet so folks can connect their kids to have a new pen pal. And um, we talk about making things like uh, kefir and um, kombucha and uh, canning and all of these little home study type things that um, I feel like most people are eager to learn. We just, we just believe in learning and that it's a fun thing to never, um, to never quit. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. So it has been a true honor to be able to talk to you and hear your story about your family and your homeschooling experience. So thank you for being a part of the Cleverly Changing podcast today. Thank you all so much. It's been so much fun to chat with you. All right. Well, that's it, folks.